Rex, did you do it? Rex, did you do it? Rex Horman, the notorious serial killer, we believe, alleged these are some of the victims. This is, it's big news, folks. We don't see serial killers brought into custody very often, but this should have happened a dozen years ago. This is way too late. Did you know Suffolk County, where all this went down? For a long time, it was run by, well, a corrupt district attorney and a corrupt police chief. Here they are. Each of these individuals, uh, Burke on the left, the chief of police, and Spoda on the right, the DA, they both went to federal prison for a long time. The guy on the left there, they think that he may have been thwarting the investigation because it could have implicated him at one point. He had all kinds of interests, shall we say, in uh, prostitutes. Well, those guys are gone, and fortunately, the good guys are running the show right now. District Attorney Ray Tierney on the right and Rodney Harrison, Suffolk County Police Commissioner, both of these gentlemen took office in early 2022. Now, this case had been going on forever, right? I mean, they made books, movies, docuseries, podcasts, a million of them about the Gilgo Beach matter. And these guys, they were able to figure it out in a matter of weeks. No exaggeration. We took analysts, we took detective investigators, and they worked on a daily basis with other talented investigators from all of the agencies here. Um, and... Uh, we started that in February 1st in 2022. Six weeks later, on March 14th, 2022, the name Rex Hurman was first mentioned as a suspect uh, in the Gilgo case. Six weeks after a dozen years, they did it in six weeks. And you know what? It wasn't like brand new information. They looked at the information they already had with fresh eyes. They were able to pinpoint this guy and pinpoint where he lived. For each of the murders, he got an individual burner phone and he used that to communicate with the victims. Uh, then shortly after uh, the death of the victims, uh, he then would uh, would get rid of the burner phone. They compared the victims phones with uh, with the burner phones and they immediately uh, honed in on some some sim similarities specifically uh, in the Massapequa Park area. And they looked at the, an area of a confluence of four cell towers. Uh, and they realized that this was, had uh, significance because uh, the, the uh, per perpetrator of these crimes was probably located within this area uh, during, at or around the times of the murderer. Uh, and that was mapped out. That was called the box. And it was an area uh, in Massapequa Park. Now, I know most of you don't live in New York. Massapequa Park is a very tiny place in Nassau County, New York. Uh, let's take a look. There's New York. There's Nassau County. And that little village, 2.2 square miles, population 17,000. Now, the details that were just summarized by the district attorney, they knew that all the way back in 2012. They knew that the guy was making phone calls from this small town. They also knew that one of the prostitutes, one of the victims, Amber Costello, well, an associate of hers, maybe your pimp, got a very good look at her killer. They saw him with his own eyes and told police all about him and gave a detailed description all the way back in 2010. And, well, they took a look at that. It was in their files. That individual was identified as, as a person who was between 6'4 and 6'6, uh, a, a large man, thickly built, 
not necessarily overly muscular, but just a naturally uh, big person with glasses, white, uh, and, and dark hair. That's, um, wow, pretty specific. How many guys that size live in that town? Maybe take a look at it. They did. Uh, there was also this, and this is not brand new information. They had it all the way back in 2010. Also of significance was um, that the fact that he was driving a dark colored or black uh, av uh, uh, first uh, first generation uh, Chevrolet Avalanche with a, a, a very uh, unique feature that was between the, the it's a pickup truck so it was between the cab and the bed uh, and that was identified again that was back uh, in uh, 2010. 2010 they knew what kind of car it was they knew it was Massapequa Park they knew how big and tall the guy was and can we see an Avalanche? I never really even thought of a Chevrolet Avalanche, but here is one. Now I see him all the time. Uh, and that's the little window he's talking about. This is the distinct feature. It's like a triangle on an angle. Um, by the way, the authorities here, they're great. I think they're being respectful of who came before them because there were some screw-ups here, big time. Again, thank God for this guy and the new team. They took a look at it, and they said, let's solve this thing. Keep going. He worked at the time at an architect, as an, uh, he owned his own architectural firm uh, at an address at 19 West 36th Street in Midtown Manhattan. And that was also the area of interest that was identified by the FBI in 2012. 2012, they knew he probably worked in Midtown Manhattan. How about that? I mean, I actually, some people saw this and think, oh, well, they found out all this information. They were just going over stuff they already had and connecting the dots. I knew that stuff about Manhattan from some TV show I saw four years ago. A second call pinged to Madison Square Garden, which is right above the New York City hub, the Long Island Railroad. Leading some to theorize, the caller was one of the thousands of Long Island commuters who work in Manhattan. That's a big piece of information that they had for a long time. It even made it into the movies. So let's go over what they had. Um, a lot. A lot. How could they not have found this guy earlier? He was living in Massapequa Park, small village like we went over. Uh, what else here? He, uh, yeah, drives a Chevy Avalanche. Uh, I think he had the office in Manhattan. And, oh, they had a description of the guy. Six foot four, <laughs> ogre, 250 pounds maybe. How many guys like that? Are there around in Massapequa Park? He's the guy, him. And did you know that on Google Maps in 2011, uh, internet sleuths were able to find a Chevy Avalanche. That's it, right in front of the guy's house. This is all the way back in 2011. Now, how was it that the previous police leadership administrations, authorities in general, how could they have, how could they have missed this stuff? I have some theories, but before we get there, here's something else. Why did they not share more information with the public? They came out with a big piece of information several years ago, uh, something about a belt. Take a look. A significant piece of evidence found at one of the crime scenes along Ocean Parkway. A black leather belt embossed with the letters HM, or WH was recovered during the initial stages of this investigation.
We believe that the belt was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. We are not providing the specific location where the belt was found, and additional information on this item will not be available at this time. Well, you got to tell us how big the belt is, right? I mean, you know, was it a size 32 or a size 52? That's obvious. Tell us, please, right? No. What size is the waist for the belt? Biggest question. What size is the waist for the belt? What size is the waist? So I'm not giving you information on the size of the belt. Not going to give you information about that. Why not? There's a lot of ineptitude across the board in America because we're lying too much on computers. I actually, I'm not going to get to that in a second, but the belt. Can we see the belt? Here it is. All right. And HM. They think that they met, that may have been what? Initials. Uh, we're staring at it and we're wondering if it meant this. Hoyerman. The name Hoyerman. Now, not many people abbreviate their last name, right? But you got to look at that name Hoyerman. All right. What does it mean? Most names mean something. Hoyer man, if you break it down in German, means to hire a man, right? Literally, hired man. And the individual, Hoyerman, kind of saw himself as, as a craftsman, as, as a hired man. I have one tool that's pretty much used in almost every job, and it's actually a cabinet maker's hammer. Kevin, oh, okay, and cabinet's maker hammer, okay. It is persuasive enough... <laughs> When I need to persuade something. Not someone. Something. <laughs> and it always yields excellent results. All right. There's a lot of creepiness there, but uh, a craftsman's a cabinet maker's hammer. Let's see one of those things. Looks like a potentially very nasty piece of gear. Um, so the evidence was there. I'm sorry it was, and thank goodness they had new leaders to come in and to motivate and to organize and to lead to find it all out. Because Suffolk County did not have that for a long time. Suffolk County's former top uniformed cop pleading guilty. Former Chief James Burke admitting in a strong voice in federal court he, quote, willfully used unreasonable force and slapped and hit a suspect, then conspired to cover it up. Uh, and that was just one of his problems. Let's put him up on the screen, please. Uh, former Burke is sentenced to 46 months, pleaded guilty to assault, obstruction of justice, violating civil rights. And, well, a lot of people thought that he threw the FBI off the trail. Uh, let's put that up as well. James Burke stymied the FBI's investigation into the Gilgo Beach serial killings for years. He refused to keep the feds in the loop on the unsolved murders. Burke never wanted us involved in this serial killer case because he knew we were investigating him, said a federal source. And for a while, he just may have been a target of the investigation. Um, how about that, huh? Something that could have screwed things up and slowed things down, the avalanche, the vehicle we were talking about. How does the DMV characterize an avalanche? Is it an SUV? Is it a station wagon? Is it a pickup truck? So when they put it in the database, they put it in as a pickup truck, but apparently DMV was categorizing it as a station wagon. And that's why it didn't come up in the computer. And this is what I'm concerned about, an over-reliance on technology. Technology is great, but we can't let it interrupt or interfere with our basic skills. I feel like they're atrophying as a result. You know, working on a computer can be a very solitary thing, right? You're alone, you're working on the computer. It's not exactly fun. 
Um, and sometimes you get tunnel vision. You don't get to see the big picture. You know, I've been talking to some investigators. Were there, uh, was there a wall? Was there a war room the entire time of this where you could put it up and see and talk? And if you put up all this stuff all the way back in 2011, 2012, how could you not make the association to a guy named Hoyerman? Well, I think that this is a real problem and it needs to be addressed. We have to remember that the computer can't do it for us. In the meantime, expect people to claim all kinds of credit, especially the FBI. You ever feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up? That's your intuition and you should listen to it. I was in the FBI for 25 years. I developed an investigative tool called criminal profiling. And I'm going to teach you some of the tactics I've used from the people I interviewed. What is their motive and what is their behavior? I had gone there for the same purpose as this before you have death and kill girls. You'll be learning how to spot these character traits in others. skills taught in this class could very well save your life. You know, the profilers are always there at the end to say, yeah, this is just the kind of guy we thought uh, would be involved in something like this. But they don't bring their skills to the fore to the moment when it's really needed. Now, the FBI did do some great technical work here. A lot of people did. All these agencies when they came together and they were led professionally uh, by those guys we were talking about earlier, Tierney and Harrison. You want to hear what this guy sounds like, the, uh, the, the serial killer himself? Some people say this is kind of creepy. Some people say it's kind of ordinary. Let's listen. Hey, this is Rex um, from the BNI group. Uh, I actually heard you are no longer part of the group. But I still wanted to talk to you. I had a question for you. Um, I also wanted to touch base. So if you get an opportunity, you can always try me at the office. Or feel free to use my cell. Mine. Well, hope you're doing good. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. I'm no profiler, but there seems to be a little bit of narcissism, right? The way he says, hello, it's me. Listen. Hey, this is Rex. This is Rex. Like, this is your lucky day. Look, are we being difficult here? I'd like to put up the facts that we knew again. 12 years ago, that he lived in Massapequa Park, or at least the calls were coming from there, that he drove a Chevy Avalanche, that he was six foot four in height and had an office in Manhattan, most likely. How many people are like that? How many people fit the bill all the way back 10 years ago? This was the guy, and it should not have taken this long. And it shouldn't take this long next time. I think we got to get out of our computers, out of our phones, and think big and start to see things instead of getting tunnel vision, all right? But what do I know? Let me know. I'll be right back. So Donald Trump spoke at Turning Point USA, I believe in West Palm Beach, Florida, this weekend. And in my opinion, it was pretty awesome. Uh, take a look. 16 months from now, each of you will vote in the most important election of your lifetimes with your country, your freedom, and your future on the line. We are in trouble. Side by side, we're going to fight and we're going to win. We have no choice, actually. Under Biden, hope and opportunity for young people. So many young people here are being utterly extinguished. Our rights and our liberties are being torn to shreds and your country is being 
turned into a third world hellhole ruled by censors, perverts, criminals, and thugs. But as I stand here tonight, I know that the young conservative warriors, and you are warriors of Turning Point, will never let this happen. You can't let this happen. Look, we've never seen anything like this in the history of our country, and it's amazing to behold. This kind of talent, this kind of commitment to America, and uh, this kind of irreverence, I mean, this kind of to hell with your silly system and rules. Some of those rules are ridiculous. Now, this was the best part of the speech, though, huh? Uh, what TV show does he like and what network? Greg Kelly over at Newsmax. The Newsmax people have been really, really terrific. Newsmax has been terrific. I got to tell you, when you're sitting at home watching TV and that happens, it's a pretty cool feeling. And then your phone explodes and you're hearing from people you haven't talked to in 20 years. And uh, and of course, your friends and family. And uh, it's very, very special. Uh, and we appreciate it here. But he's right. We're doing something extremely special. And personally, I've always been up front with you, the viewer, about what this show is. It's an opinion show. Uh, I have my leanings and I'm up front about it. A lot of other people and a lot of other networks, they're not. They pretend they're neutral, but we know they're not. So why I like him, you know, it goes back to June 16th of 2015. I was actually in the room when he came down the escalator and I was there on a fluke. It was literally on my way home from work. And my uh, colleague who I was working with at the time at another TV station said, let's drop by and see what's going on. And I did. And we listened to the speech and we kept looking at each other during the speech. And after it was over, Billy Bush from Access Hollywood, one of his correspondents, came up to me and said, well, what'd you think? Came up to both of us. And here's what I said. I think he might be a game changer in this race. Listen to that speech. It's going to go over well uh, in certain precincts in Iowa, New Hampshire. This is a big deal. This is not a joke. Uh, and when I left, I called people I knew, and I said, he's going to win. If that's what I was saying on TV, what I was saying off air was, I just saw the next president of the United States. Now, I was mocked and bullied because of this. They said, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a local news reporter. What does he know? Well, that's just it. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> We're together in this. I didn't grow up in the media. I could see it. I could feel it. I don't think about what they have to say. I did get a little bit nervous a month later, though, when he had that John McCain thing. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you He's agree with that? He's a war hero because he was captured. You know, that was, wow, he said that? And I thought, given the rules of politics at the time, well, that, I guess that's it, right? He can't go on. I was sitting with my brother on the couch. He said... That seals it. He's going to win. Hey, by the way, I didn't know about the Chris Rock reference to this. Do you know that Chris Rock, who's a Democrat darling and a Republican, too, he's a funny guy. He made a joke about that. He a war hero. He a war hero that got captured. <laughs> There's a lot of guys in jail that got captured. <laughs> Well, that was years before Donald Trump ran for president. And, yeah, it might not be nice or whatever, but people said stuff. People said stuff. You know, when Jeb Bush emerged as the heir apparent in 2015, remember, it was going to be Jeb Bush 
And uh, that didn't sit well with me, having been to Iraq and knowing what his brother did. And it didn't sit well with him either. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake. All right? Now, you can take it any way you want. And it took, Je it took Jeb Bush, if you remember, at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. Finally, somebody said it out loud. It's finally, and right to a face of the Bushes, right? He was squirming. Jeb Bush, remember? I mean, presented with all that, he was sweating it. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it because, quite frankly, there is no response. We invaded the wrong country. There were no weapons of mass destruction. Um, I thought it was outrageous. Lots of people thought it was outrageous. The swamp, they laughed about it. They made jokes about there being no weapons of mass destruction and that we invaded the wrong country for the wrong reason. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> Nope, no weapons over there. <laughs> Maybe under here. <laughs> you know, I was in the room. I was actually in the room, and they're all laughing their heads off. And that's, I, I realized, man, I am not home here. These are not my people. I don't fit in. I don't get them. I don't want to get them. Then Trump showed up, right? And he called it all out and debating Hillary Clinton. Look, I just this is uh, it was transformative. I mean, for the country, for me. And when I saw that initial announcement, I actually had this feeling that one day he could unify the country, that this is the kind of guy who could win 49 states. That's not going to happen. But I do believe he can unify the country. The 49 state stuff won't. But especially him, he's qualified to unify the country. Ever hear that? Only Nixon could go to China. Nixon was so rabidly anti-communist that only he could be trusted to actually go to China to open it up. And he did. He came off that plane. If George McGovern or some Democrat did that, nobody would, nobody would trust it. Everybody would feel that America you know, was, was losing something big. Kind of like Rudy Giuliani. Only Rudy Giuliani could lead New York and America after September 11, 2001. One of the reasons he was he was a real tough mayor and he didn't get along with people. Uh, sometimes he could say really nasty things. But on the day when it mattered, he said all the right things. He did all the right things. He was a leader. And I don't know, right man for the right moment. Maybe you wouldn't have suspected it, but he was. The number of casualties at this point, sir? I don't I don't think we, we really want to speculate about that. The number of casualties will be more than any, any of us can bear, ultimately. And I don't think we want to speculate on the number of casualties. The effort now has to be to save as many people as possible. So Rudy was so brash and, you know, he could be obnoxious at times, but he saved so many lives on 9-11 and well before 9-11. 
And then we saw, wow, the man in the moment came together. And I think something like that is in store for America and Donald Trump and for all of us. I don't know when. I don't know how. It doesn't have to be a natural disaster or a man-made disaster, but something is going to happen. And everybody will understand what I'm talking about. I hope a few of you do right now. All right, now this. We call it the joy of victimhood. Nothing as pleasurable for a good chunk of America than feeling like a victim, including this individual. Uh, his name is Bach, Mr. Eric Bach. He's a very good sports announcer in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He likes baseball. Good for him. I'm Eric Bach, and this is your Budweiser State of the Farm. We'll start in High A Wilmington, where on Saturday night, after falling behind 4-0 against Jersey Shore, the Blue Rocks scored five unanswered to win it in walk-off fashion, capped off by this single from Omar Marigildo. All right, so uh, he likes baseball. I'm not a big fan, to be honest. I used to like it, not so much, but uh, anymore. He's doing what he loves. He happens to be gay, and he can't stop talking about it to the New York Times. Like, it's a big deal. He wants it to be a bigger deal. He wants to feel like an outsider. His sexuality doesn't define him, but it can set him apart. All right, big chunk of the article here. Last year brought him to Fredericksburg. He did, he, he did each job to the best of his ability, and his sexuality never came up. Still, he has found that there's a difference between being a gay man in baseball and being completely comfortable as one. Okay. Uh, uh. In May, several members of the Fredericksburg staff were taking in the early evening at a local rooftop bar. Bach and manager Jake Lowry had been enjoying a meandering chat when the young broadcaster sprang a self-conscious question. I was like, I was casually like, you know I'm gay, right? Bach said, and he goes, yeah. And that was literally it. That's like, <laughs> that's like America's reaction now, all right? Yeah. So what? It does not matter. It's anyway, he goes on to say that conversation was a relief, although Bach remains unsure of how widely his sexuality is known among people around the team. Well, he told the New York Times. So well, most minor league baseball players actually don't read the New York Times. So who knows? But I was just surprised that this received such prominent coverage. He's doing amazingly well in his career. Nobody is holding his sexuality against him yet. He kind of wants that to be the case. That's what it sounded like to me. All right, next. I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that the, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. The time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing almost full time is working to win the battle of climate change. It's really too much, isn't he? Right. He acknowledges getting there in a private jet, but he has to. He has to, a man like me. Now, you saw what happened, right? When he got busted in that lie about having a private jet just last week. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. I personally. Your family? I by your family? Personally, yes. My wife owned a plane. Have you airlines. flown on a private jet in a personal or official capacity since you've taken this position? Possibly once. I, I don't, I think. <laughs> I, 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 uh, possibly once. Well, uh, he got busted big time, didn't he? Um, you can be an environmentalist, but you can't fly in a private jet if you're an environmentalist. I really believe, like, it's so environmentally unsound. I'm not talking about the exhaust. Look at how many people can fit into a commercial airliner, right? Lots. <laughs> this is the environmental way to go. 
may not be the most luxurious, but it's not that bad when you think about it. You can have a drink at 30,000 feet. It's really not bad at all. But look at what you have to do to make a private jet. You got to get all this metal, all this material, all this stuff. And I like it. It's fine. If I'm ever rich enough, I'll get one. Um, but that's not an efficient way to move one person, is it? Even a man like John Kerry. John, you'll never learn, will you? No wonder why you were so soundly rejected by the American people back in 2004 when it was a totally winnable race. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. In 2010, our debt was $13 trillion. Gold was $1,000 an ounce. Today, $32 trillion and $2,000 an ounce. So now that we have $1 trillion in interest payments annually, another $1 trillion on defense, do we really think the spending is going to slow down? A surging national debt is bullish for gold. Bloomberg stated gold appears as a caged bull awaiting a catalyst. The oncoming commercial real estate crisis will be that catalyst. $1.5 trillion in interest-only loans are coming due, and with vacancies, plunging valuations, and higher interest rates, more companies are just going to walk away. It's no wonder Google searches for how to buy gold hit record levels in 2023. It's as simple as calling Patriot Gold Group today, by the way. Find out why they are an A-plus consumer affairs top-rated gold and silver company nationwide. Call the proud Americans at Patriot Gold today before it's too late. Mention Newsmax and you'll get best-in-class service from Patriots protecting Patriots. Patriot Gold Group has no fee for life IRA where your IRA or 401k can be physical gold and silver. Call 888-309-9181. That's 888-309-9181 and get a free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer for six years in a row. Call now, 888-309-9181. Protect your retirement with the Patriot Gold Group. Well, 13 years ago, the bodies turned up there at Gilgo Beach and... Um it took way too long, I'm sorry, way too long to find the person responsible for the deaths of these women. Now, he has not been formally linked to all of the deaths, but he is the leading suspect, and he's been charged in at least three of these so far. Um, and there are many more, many more, including these two young women. Um, John Ray has been involved in this from a very early stage. He represents uh, the victims' families. And now that there is a suspect in custody, we wanted to get his thoughts about what's happening and where things go from here. John Ray, attorney, John Ray and Associates. Uh, welcome to Newsmax, sir. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Any doubt whatsoever that this is the guy? I mean, they got the right guy, right? He's the right guy for the four, uh, for sure. The four Gilgo girls, as they're known as, the, the Gilgo four, who were wrapped in burlap. He's the right guy for them. All right. But you think and others think that, well, there are many more victims out there, maybe 10 or 11. And for a long time, there have been those. Maybe you're one of them who thought that there might be multiple people involved. We have thought that uh, there's more than one killer uh, over the course of time. That's open to question now that this guy has been pinned down, because although he uses a, a very different modus operandi, 
for the four covered in burlap where their bodies are left intact. And as to the others, many of them are dismembered and one, the one fellow's face is bashed in. Uh, still, uh, it's possible that this uh, Rex, I call Tyrannosaurus Rex, he's so big and ugly, I mean, that uh, that he uh, did the others as well. There's a possibility of that. Why? Well, for one thing, uh, they're all very similar in size and shape and weight and age. Another thing, they're all sex workers or the child of a, a baby of a sex worker and a, a an LGBT uh, male, cross-dressing male, and uh, possibly, by the way, transgender uh, female. We're not sure. But in any event, uh, they, you know, they all have uh, similarities in, in, in that respect. And yeah. this guy, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, he is a hunter. And he is someone who has 90 some odd guns that he had in his basement. And he has places where he would hunt all over the East Coast and, and possibly out in Nevada. So He's a hunter, and hunters shoot game, and when they get the game, they cut it up. He had, you know, would have to have the tools to do that and the knowledge because these girls were cut up as well. He I want to – John, let me jump in here. We have a portion of the 911 call from you – the family – you represent the family of Shannon Gilbert, who was found dead a long time ago, but her, the discovery of her body led to the discovery of the other, other bodies – she disappeared, and um, but that night she she made a desperate call to nine one one. Let's listen to that. So somebody asked me, "Where are you, ma'am?" I don't know. You're driving right now? No, I'm inside the house. I'm sorry. I'm inside the house. What house? I don't know. Can you trace where I am? I'm sorry. Can you trace where I am? All right. She doesn't sound too frightened there, but things get kicked up a notch in the next uh, portion. Go ahead. So the authorities officially at this point say that she was not killed by uh, Rex um, Hoyerman or anybody else. They think that she died in some, some sort of accidental death. You do not share that opinion. Uh, she was murdered. There's overwhelming evidence that she was murdered. There's not a scintilla of evidence that she died by a tragic accident. The police department filled with uh, detectives, homicide detectives, whose entire lives are ensconced in evidence. And they, th their whole success depends upon evidence, have no evidence whatsoever for their conclusion that she died of an accident. So so it's absurd. They're asking the pe people to accept the absurd as if it were reasonable. Yeah. Can't do that. That's just not in their business, in their line. And for, for them to say that, therefore, she, she died by some natural cause without knowing what it is, identifying it, and so on, you know that that is just not good police work. On the other hand, we have overwhelming evidence. What do you have? You have a sex worker who's in this, a, a, a elongated cemetery of sex workers 
and she, of all things, she does a very extreme thing for a sex worker. She calls nine one one. Right, that's uh... to help her, and then she 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 tells people over and over nine one one. They're trying to kill me. She says that, yeah. and then she runs out of the house after you heard the struggles going on, and you hear these blood curdling screams. She ends up dead in the marsh nearby and her clothing her, yeah. her jeans pocketbook and cell phone are found a third of a mile away within the marsh john ray we and, uh we have to leave it there but look we're going to have you back august 1st uh hoyerman is due in court the investigation okay. continues and uh i think uh i think we're going to learn a lot and things could change right. thank you very much john ray of john Thanks ray and me. associates you bet we'll be right back He loves the Constitution. He fights for what's right. He hates the bad guys. He's a freedom warrior. He's your freedom warrior. Watch Carl Higby every weekday on Newsmax. Well, uh, there is a lot of information out there pointing to Rex Hoyerman a dozen years ago. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, they knew the calls were coming from a small town called Massapequa, Massapequa Park. Uh, they knew a Chevy Avalanche was probably involved. The guy they were looking for, six foot four, maybe higher, bigger, an ogre, one guy called him, and probably had an office in Manhattan. Um, they knew that in 2011, 2012. They just figured it out in 2023. Thank goodness that some real pros took over the investigation. But I'm concerned that it was run by some fairly non-professional people for a long time. I'm sorry. Let's bring in one of the top, one of the best, Bernie Carrick, former New York City police commissioner, experienced investigator. Uh, commissioner, welcome back. Look, there's a lot of praise, and justifiably so, for the DA and the police commissioner. They took it over just last year. But I'm starting to see that this thing should have been solved a long time ago, uh, way before those guys showed up. How do you feel? Well, I mean, look uh, at what we see coming out today. You have to ask yourself, what were the guys looking at back uh, 12 years ago, right? Um, a six foot four uh, gargantuan type of guy, a Chevy Avalanche. Now, keep in mind that Avalanche is a, a specific type of pickup truck. I haven't seen many on the road over the last 10 years. It's, it's very specific. Um, that would have been a really easy catch um, for New York State uh, investigators to go into DMV looking for the vehicle. They would have located one in that general area. All they had to do was run down the guy and see that he, he was 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", um, worked in Manhattan, um, stopped by and gave him a, gave him a shout. Uh, this should have been, based on what we see today, Greg, uh, should have been over a long time ago. Now, I want to show you, look, let's say it wasn't in the database. And they kept talking about a database. So it wasn't in the database maybe in 2011, 2012. Let me show you Massapequa Park, just how tiny this place is. It's a couple of square miles. 17,000 people work there. You know, it may not have been in the computers. Not everything was in the computers in, uh, back then. But you can hoof it, Right. You can walk the streets. As you mentioned, there are not many of those cars around. That car was observed on Google Maps in front of the house in 2011. Is there a tendency over the past, you know, 15 years as technology takes off, you know, to think that the technology is going to do the work 
and, and as far as the, the gumshoe, the, you know, hitting the pavement, sweating it, that's not really what we do anymore. And I'm not just talking about policing. I'm talking about everywhere. You know what, Greg, uh, data, uh, intelligence uh, through data, you know, that's um, it, it's a big thing these days. But there is nothing better than a visual canvas. There's nothing better than one on one interviews and in a one on one personal canvas of the area. Uh, but I have to tell you, Greg, if the people in Massapequa Park, if, if the cops back then put this out over the airwaves, got it to the media, um, got it to what social media was out then, I have to believe they would have had this guy. And thank God for the investigators that I believe, I believe it was just January, um, started looking at this and by March had come to the conclusion that they thought they were looking at the right guy uh, thank God for these guys um, that uh, was in this task force and, uh, and came up with the target. The task force was amazing. And uh, I just feel like there should have been a task force in 2011, 2012. And you're right. If they put this out on social media, maybe 15 minutes. I would give it 15 minutes. How many six foot five That's guys right. live in Massapequa Park, have an avalanche, have an office in the city? Uh, you know, it, uh, it's, it's... No, exactly. Right, right. Well, Commissioner, hey, I want people... We all have to learn, you know what I mean? If we can all pat each other on the back, and that's great. But um, maybe we really do have to learn and change in certain ways. Thank you so much, sir. To be continued, and we'll be right back. So remember when we lost in Afghanistan? Horrible moment for this country and the world. And the Biden administration tried to deny it all. No, 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 no. Nothing's wrong. How do you explain getting this so wrong? Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. Is how we move it's not the mechanism. Forth, so. No, no, it's to, the last minute scramble. You know that. It's the last minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. It is certainly the case that the speed with which cities fell uh, was much greater than anyone anticipated, including uh, the Afghans, uh, including uh, many of the analysts who looked hard at this problem. You know how you know they're lying? Literally, that old saying, their lips are moving. Their lips are moving. Uh, this guy is responsible for a big chunk of our failure overseas, uh, not only in Afghanistan, but elsewhere. Yet he's the prince of the swamp. Watch what happens when Jake Sullivan shows up on basically all of the morning shows on Sunday. Jake, welcome back to Meet the Press. Jake, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jake, let's start right there. Jake, Jake, Jake. What about Mr. Sullivan, Director Sullivan? No, they're that chummy. Hey, Jake, welcome to the show. I don't care if you know the guy. Don't call him Jake. You gotta be, there has to be some measure of separation, don't you think? It's one of the reasons why there's no accountability. They're all friends in that silly, silly swamp. Oh, for all these Sunday show appearances, when you're that chummy with him, you can't ask him anything with any teeth. Like, hey, what's up with uh, Hunter and Joe shaking down the Chinese? What's the White House's take on potential fair liability, for the first family of the president here? I've not seen that and can't comment on it. 
That's about as dicey as it got for him, and it happened in Lithuania, of all places. What a swamp, please, President Trump. We know you're going to break it up, and we'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. Many thanks, and we'll see you tomorrow.